0: Amen. I don't know if any of y'all heard, but I just heard that Annette prayed to the Lord that I would preach for an hour. So that's what I heard her say. And so um, I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. I don't think. If the spirit moves though, who knows what's going to happen, right? We can't restrain God's spirit um, because we're talking about the most important things about being a Christian today. Uh, we're back into our series called Five, Following Jesus in the City. And this is a series where we are unpacking our values. Our values are the most important things that we think the Bible teaches about what it means to follow Jesus. And so we're pressing into these things. These are the most important areas that we want to grow in so that we can know God better, so that we can experience more of God in more of our lives, and then that we can live our life in the way that is most meaningful, that's most significant because we're working with God to grow his influence in the world. That's what we're doing. And so our third value is that we are living on mission. Okay, we are living on mission. Uh, Jesus has given all of us a mission. We're to show and to share how good Jesus is with everyone in our lives. Okay, we're living on mission. Um, and so just uh, I want to do a quick shout out to the kids. Kids, I know that some of you are here, some of you are tuning in online, uh, and, I, and I want to ask you a question, right? Sometimes, sometimes when you get something that's really that's new and it's really cool, you want to share it, right? You want to share it with your friends. You want to tell other people about it. Um, well, a long time ago when my kids were small, uh, we acquired a giant box of those Brio wooden trains and train tracks, right? You know what I'm talking about? These giant, like you can connect them all together. And, uh, and so when our kids were younger and they had friends over, they wanted to share their train tracks. Like they wanted to play. And so for hours and hours and hours, they would build stuff all across the living room and sometimes into the, into the family room and then into the dining room. Like it was all over the place and they just had so much fun because they wanted to share and play together with their friends. And, and this is how it is with Jesus. When we're Christians, it is so good to have a relationship with God that we wanna share how good it is with our friends. Now, kids, we don't want you to try to force your friends to become Christians. That's not how Jesus does it. Um, Jesus loves people and he invites them into a relationship with him. And so we do the same. That's what we do. Uh, We wanna share how good Jesus is and we wanna invite people to commit to him. And this is what living on mission is. And one of the best ways I've heard to describe living on mission is this, found people, find people, found people, find people. So people who have been found by Jesus, they really, they they, they are on the lookout. They want to find others so that they too can be found by Jesus, Okay, this is the title of our message today. We're going to look at several verses, but you know, Matthew 5, 14 to 16 is one of the biggest ones. Um, now, our website has a definition, a brief definition of all five of our values. And on our website, if you look up, we are living on mission, it says this. It says, Jesus is on a mission to renew people and cities. And so we join him on mission through what we do. We love and serve others and in what we say. We share the gospel and testify to how it has changed us. We experience Jesus's hope speaking to our deepest needs, and we look for opportunities to share this hope with others. So the gospel renews us with a sense of purpose and a mission to become a blessing to others. So that's a definition of what it means to live on mission. Now, it sounds good, but in our day and age, sharing your religious beliefs with other people can often seem intolerant and judgmental. Right? Any effort that you make to tell other people about Jesus can make them think that you think you're better than them or to think that, uh, and, and it's just, it's not, it's not done in polite society, right? You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to push your, your views on other people. And so how do we do this? How do we do this? We're going to talk about that today. And I think With this area of sharing our faith, evangelism, we call it living on mission, it's important to see that living on mission is the third value of our church. Okay, there's an order to them, and living on mission comes third. Okay, and it's important for us to show and to share Jesus with others, but first we have to remember our first two values. Okay, our first value is that we are gospel-centered. Okay, we're gospel-centered, and being gospel-centered means that we have been captured by unimaginable news. Unimaginable news that there is a God and he is for you. That's what the gospel says, that there is a God and he is for you. That God has repeatedly and consistently reached out to you to help you and to bless you and to reach you and to, to teach you who he is and what he's like. He's reached out to you And the climax of God reaching out to you is that God came in Jesus to show up personally. And Jesus has invited us to follow him. Jesus has invited us into his family and has forgiven us and adopted us. Crazy and broken as we are, he's adopted us into his family. And Jesus sacrificed himself in a voluntary act of sacrificial love to forgive our sins and to give us his power. He gives us his power, and this is a power that's stronger than sin. It's stronger than selfishness, and it sets us free, and it fills us with a new power of love and grace and a willingness to sacrifice for others. I mean, Jesus shows us that this is God's disposition toward us, And when we realize that that's how God feels about us, it does something inside of us to make us this way to others. And so we revolve our entire lives around this unimaginable news that God loves us and has gone to every length to show his love for us. And it changes us. This is the center of our lives. So that's our first value. Our second value is that we are growing in community, we're growing in community. What does this mean? Well, this means that as we experience Jesus, we want to be with other people who experience Jesus, right? Because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we need to be reminded. Sometimes we forget. Uh, We leak. We leak sometimes. Like we have all the love of God and we feel excited. And maybe on a Sunday morning, you have a really amazing experience. And then Monday morning happens and you're like, I don't remember who I was yesterday. Right? And so we need community around us. And in Christian community, we find people who are safe, who are real, and who are open. Like the nature of Christian community uh, is that we are different. We're not, we don't try to hide who we are. We don't try to hide our faults and our brokenness. We don't try to act like we're better than we are because the gospel says we don't need to. The gospel says that none of us have anything in us that would make us good enough to be saved. Like all of us need, desperately need God's love and His forgiveness and His grace. And so we don't have to hide from each other because we all need Jesus and we've all been loved by Jesus. And so being found by Jesus is amazing, it is amazing grace. But then being found by community, it's like a second blessing of the gospel, right? Learning that we're not alone and that there's people like us who really do understand us and they care about us and they know us and they can help us grow. It's like kind of being found all over again. And so we're growing in community. So we're found by Jesus and then we're found by community. Like this is what we want to share with others, okay? This is what we want to share with others, Like our call is not to say to the world out there, oh, you know, y'all are doing everything wrong and you stink and you're awful and I can't believe you're doing this and you're the worst. And I mean, that's not the message that we have. The message that Jesus had was that God so loved the world that he gave his own son so that anyone who believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Like this is what we share. So we are found people and we want to find others who need to be found. Now, how do we do this? I'm just going to give you three simple points in doing this. It's really simple. One, we show Jesus. Two, we share Jesus. And then three, we invite people to commit to Jesus. Okay? We show Jesus, we share Jesus. We invite people to commit to Jesus. So we're going to walk through these one at a time, look at some verses. So first, we show Jesus. I don't know about you, but this passage kind of makes me a little bit like this is nuts because Jesus says that we are the light of the world. It's like, wait, hold on. Isn't Jesus the light of the world? I mean, he says he was in John 8, 12, right? So how is this? But he's saying here that we are the light of the world. And so living on mission means to shine our light to others. And the light that we have to share is that we are found people. Like we're not better than anybody else but we've been found by Jesus. And the gospel reminds us that the light that we have actually is the light of Jesus, that Jesus puts his light in us and that what we offer, the light that we shine is Jesus's light that fills us with his love and his presence and his grace. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 say something similar. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so again, what I love about this is that we see in this passage again, the call of Jesus and the blessing of Jesus. There's a call here, we're to be imitators of God. But our strength to imitate God comes from the gospel. The gospel blessing that God has adopted us and made us his children that God has come so near to us and filled us with his love. And so it's not that we sort of run to this well that has gone dry because we actually don't have love within us, but, it, but the love in us is God's own love, the love that he has shown to us in adoption. Jesus shows us the extent of God's love and that he loved us and gave himself up for us on the cross and so when we understand, we experience this love of Christ, it compels us to imitate God in our relationships. And so showing Jesus to others, showing Jesus, living on mission to show Jesus, it's primarily through how you treat people. It's how you treat people. And so this means being a demonstration of the sacrificial, forgiving, understanding, patient, gracious love of Jesus. I'll say it again. It means being a demonstration of the sacrificial, forgiving, understanding, patient, gracious love of Jesus. It means that you are willing to serve other people. You're willing to sacrifice for others you're willing to love and to honor others. And you do this in all of your relationships, in your home, at work, in your neighborhood. Friends, this is more than just being a good person, okay? We're not talking about just doing the right thing or being a good person. This is showing Jesus to others. Like that's actually what you're doing. You're showing Jesus to others. Oftentimes it's not gonna be explicit. Like there might be times when you can mention the name of Jesus and why you're doing what you're doing. But the idea here is that you're giving people a taste, whether they know it or not in the the moment, you're giving people a taste of of how Jesus feels about them. You give them just a taste of what it would be like if they were in a relationship with Jesus when you treat them in this way. And so what this means is that every decision that you make about how you treat someone else, is actually an opportunity for you to commune with Jesus. I know it's hard. I mean, the sentence, right, this, <laughs> this crazy, right, this forgiving, sacrificial, understanding, gracious love of God. Like To think about that, it's like, man, this is hard. It's hard, but, but you know what? Every time you make a decision to treat someone like this, It's like there's a doorway that opens between heaven and earth, and Jesus descends on to you. And so every decision that we have is an opportunity to commune with Him, to be close to Him, and to receive His affirmation. Now, the more that you try to do this, the humbler you become, and the graciouser you become. That's not a word the more gracious you become. Why? Well, because you're going to fail. You're going to fail at this. Like there's going to be moments when you feel super excited and and it's easy. Sometimes sacrifice can be easy. You're filled with the Spirit. You really love the other person and sometimes it's easy. But then a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's difficult. It's hard. You don't want to do it. You don't feel like doing it. And in those moments, you're just reminded of how much you need Jesus. Jesus. And that makes you humble. That makes you remember when you do it right and someone says something in affirmation of what you do or they appreciate what you do. In that moment, it gives you maybe a chance to say, you know what, I do this because Jesus did this for me. Or I do this because I really want, I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm trying to follow Jesus in my life and he's treated me this way. Um, and so whether or not you get an opportunity to share that. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing how the call of Jesus to love people the way he loved us, it both blesses other people and it keeps us humble because we realize how often we don't do it. And so, um, so we show Jesus. That's the first step. Then the second step is that we share Jesus. We share Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 is a great verse about this. It says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so here, you're, you, you commit to Jesus. You're following him. He is holy. He is Lord. He is the authority in your life. And we want to be ready to share about him with other people. When we're ready to tell people and even defend if we're pushed that that we have reasons for hope. We have reasons to sacrifice and be willing to commit to loving others and be willing to go first and be willing to forgive and be willing like in all these different ways, right? The reason is because Jesus has loved us in an unimaginable way. And so, the best way that I like to think about what it means to live on mission in terms of sharing Jesus is this, that you want to love people so much that they would understand and be blessed by your faith. So you have a faith, you have a relationship with Jesus, and you want to love the people in your life so much that somehow through your actions and through your words, they would understand and be blessed by your faith. And so, some of the ways that you do this, we, we've talked about this. We've talked about faith flags and faith stories. We did a three part, four part series on sharing your faith just a couple months ago. Um, and uh, you can look back in more detail. But we talked about how faith flags are just these like brief things in casual, normal conversations just make it clear at times. Don't make a point about it, but just make it clear that you go to church, or that you love Jesus, or that you read the Bible, or that you are learning from God something. Like, just make it known. Just be out about being a Christian, right? That's a faith flag. And so, you want to learn to incorporate that so that the people around you can just know your faith, can just understand that you're a faith person, right? Um, and so you want to you have faith flags in your life, conversations um, where you're just mentioning that you're a Christian. Um, and then you want to tell faith stories. And so these are short, like 30 seconds to uh, maybe a minute and a half to two minutes where you're talking to someone and you're sharing with them about some way that your relationship with Jesus was a, was a blessing to you, okay? And so you're telling stories about like, man, here's what I love about Jesus. Or I was struggling and Jesus met me here and then this is what happened, you know, um, it's it's stories like that. Uh, And it could just be like your own, I was lost, (laughs) but now I'm found. Uh, So often, even the way that we show Jesus comes by how we talk about Jesus, you know? And if, if you have been moved and you've been changed by Jesus, if you love Jesus, then that can come out in your experiences as you share your experiences with other people. So it's like, here's what I love about Jesus. Or man, I can't believe that Jesus treats me this way. Or this happened and, and Jesus kept loving me and I just, I'm amazed at how much he's willing to forgive and I'm so thankful. Right? You could tell stories about how much your church has blessed you. You know, oh, the community of my church, like it's, it's really encouraging to me. Like or they're, they're real there. They're open. I can, I can be myself. And, um, you know, so you can tell stories like that. Um, and it's interesting we were I was talking about this with a group of people about these faith stories and as we were sharing our own faith stories I we realized that sometimes it's easier instead of sharing a faith story about yourself it's sometimes easier to share a faith story about someone else right where you tell a story about their faith and how God met them cuz it creates a little bit of a not a personal you know, confrontation with the person you're talking to. Because if we're talking face-to-face, right? But then I tell you about this other person, then the two of us are looking at this other person and what happened to them. And so now the two of us are like side by side. We're looking at this other person as I'm telling you this story about them. And so there could be stories of others that you want to share with people as you want to tell them about your faith in Jesus. Um, So I want to do that for you right now. Um, We prayed earlier for Barbara Morrison. I know many of you know her. Some of you don't. Um, she is she's in the second half of life. Uh, so that's what I say about anybody who's over 40. Um, and she's in long-term health care um, in, uh, in North Park. And she's just she's, she's struggling. She's dealing with anxiety and depression. She's struggling with her future. She's got difficulty with her family connections. And she's right now giving up the home that she's lived in for 20 years because she's realizing that she's never going to be able to live by herself again. And so, and I go to visit Barbara, and we were sitting, and we were talking. Well, actually, I was the one talking, uh, because Barbara's on a ventilator. And so, she's coherent, she's present, but um, there's a device that they have to stick into her neck in order for her to actually talk. And when she does that, her oxygen levels go down, and so the last few times I've seen her, um, she hasn't wanted to put that device in, and so I, I do all the talking, so, um, but actually what this means, though, is that she has this large, it's like an alphabet board, it's this laminated placemat side card with the alphabet on it, so it kind of looks like, uh, like, like you see on the slide, and so she'll point to the letters one by one, and I try to guess what she's going to spell as soon as she can, you know, it's, it's like two letters, like I can spell that word in two letters, right, and so I'm trying to anticipate where she's going, so it's kind of how we communicate, so I talk, and she points, right, and so, um, so we, you know, again, we were together for about an hour and we had really talked. I was telling her things about my life, what's going on with me, about the church, just trying to get her up to speed and keep her up to speed. And we talked about how she was doing and how she was feeling. And uh, she said that she'd been feeling depressed. And so we kind of went there. we, communicated about how sometimes depression is a chemical thing going on in our brains that is out of our control, and sometimes it's not connected to reality, and so medication can help with that. But then other times, depression is actually an honest assessment of reality. You know, like sometimes we're depressed because the circumstances of our life are depressing. And sometimes it's reality that is producing our depression. And so she is struggling with this debilitating future. And she, again, she's concluded that she's not going to be able to live by herself anymore. And so we're just, we're talking and going back and forth. And, and then we had communion together. You know, I brought communion to her. And while we were talking about the Lord's Supper, I just felt like God was showing me something for Barbara. Like God gave me this word to share with her. And so I told her, I said, Barbara, you know, when you're able to fight through the depression and you're able to get through the anxiety and offer worship to God, that in those moments, like Jesus receives it and he is so proud of you, that in those moments where there is really nothing going right and you don't feel like it, when you are able to be thankful, when you're able to be nice to the nurses that come in, uh, when you're able to offer God worship, that I was like, Barbara, when you're able to do that, you're a hero. You're a hero. And Jesus is honored and he's proud of you. And I said, but wait, you know what? But there's more to it. I said, Barbara, when your depression is too much, when your anxiety kicks in, like in those moments, Jesus is not disappointed in you. I told her Jesus isn't angry with you, he actually understands. He sees the circumstances that you are in. He understands the weight that is on your shoulders. He realizes that the hope, the light at the end of the tunnel feels like it is so far away that it will never come. And in those moments, in those moments, Jesus still loves you and he cares about you and he doesn't expect from you anything that you're not able to give him. So after communion, Barbara grabbed her alphabet board and she starts pointing at letters. She pointed at L, I. F E I S G O O D. And I just looked at her. I was like, Life is good? Barbara, how can you say that? And she just just looked at me and smiled. She just smiled like even in her situation, she knew that Jesus was with her. Even in the midst of all of that, life is good because Jesus is good to her. So this is Barbara's message to all of us. Got a member of our family with a message and a word from the Lord for each one of us today that life is good because Jesus is king. And our king is with us in the midst of the suffering. And his expectations of us fit within what we're able to offer him. So in all of our uncertainty, let your sister Barbara declare to you that life is good because Jesus is king. And it's stories like this that build our faith. Right? It's stories like these that encourage us, they challenge us, they convict us, they show us what's possible. And these are stories also that we can share with other people because we want them to understand just how Jesus can be a blessing to others. So you want to show Jesus, you want to share Jesus. And the last point is that you want to invite people to commit to Jesus. So this is Acts 2, 37 and 38. It says this, Now when they, this is the crowd, when they heard this, they heard what Peter was saying to them, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is one example in the Bible of people being invited to commit their lives to Jesus. So this is what we want to be able to do. We want to show people Jesus and how we treat them. We want to share Jesus and the things that we say, and then we want to be able to invite people to commit to Jesus. So do you know how to lead someone to become a Christian? If you don't, I want to encourage you that it's possible that if you learn how to lead someone else to become a Christian, God may bring someone who's ready to become a Christian to you. So it's, it can be simple. The best one line, if you want to give people one line or summarize it all in one line, it's just encourage someone to pray this Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Like That can be where it starts. It's not the only conversation you want to have with Jesus, but it's a good first place because what you're saying is, Jesus, you're in charge. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, you're my king. So Jesus, I give you my life. You can add to that, please forgive me for my sins and I commit to follow you. So Jesus, I give you my life. Please forgive my sins. I commit to following you. If you're here and you aren't a Christian, I want to invite you to do this. You can commit to Jesus and experience the unimaginable reality that there is a God and He is for you, that He wants to fill your life with His presence, that He wants to shower you with love and grace and power to make you into the best version of yourself. If you want to do that, you can pray Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me for my sins. I commit to following you. We'll do that here in just a moment. So just in terms of action, I wanna just sum up this message, how to live on mission. Just three things I want you to do um, to live on mission. Number one, commit to showing Jesus to others. Study the love of Jesus and how extraordinary it is and commit to being that kind of person in your relationships as best you can and confess when you don't. Um, So commit to showing Jesus to others. Two, commit to sharing Jesus with others. Right? Make a commitment. Jesus, I'm going to try to be more open about my faith. Jesus, I'm going to try to out myself as a Christian, and I'm going to try to talk about how much you mean to me. So commit to that. And then three, memorize a process for helping someone commit to Jesus. So if you do these three things and you engage, and you pray, and you follow Jesus, God's going to open up doors of opportunity for you. You're going to get a chance to tell other people how wonderful he is. So let's pray together. Jesus, as a church family, uh, we want to first thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gospel and for making us a community that is doing our best to be safe and real and welcoming and loving and gracious and understanding. We thank you for showing us how to do that and being that for us. And now, Jesus, we commit, we commit to showing you to others. We commit to sharing you with others. And, Jesus, we want to be more responsible. We want to be better stewards of the relationships that we have. And we want to memorize a way to lead other people and help them commit to following you. And so in some ways, Jesus, all of us are ready to recommit ourselves to you. And so Jesus, we all say, Jesus, we, we give you our lives. We're sorry that for the ways that we've neglected to live on mission. And we're now committing again to being your people with the best news that the world has ever known. So fill us with your power and your spirit continue to change and grow us so that we would be people that would show how wonderful you are. So that when we share how wonderful you are, people would believe it because they've tasted it from us. And then open doors, Jesus, open doors. There's people in each of our lives who don't know you and they need to know you. They are lost and they need to be found by you. And so help us to do our part. We pray this in your name. Amen.